Orlando, welcome to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Another Magic Podcast? Oh, man. Now, wait, wait, wait. I know what you're thinking, but I promise you, I promise you, it's going to be a little different. Check this out. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, voice of the Magic fans. Super excited today in the studio. You have myself, Anthony, Al, Justin, and from the Zone BB, Elise. Hey guys, what's, what's up? up? Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. Elise is uh, round one of our first rotation, um, one of seven in total. So I'm really, really excited. Elise, you wanna you wanna share a few things? Yeah, my name is Elise. Uh, my Twitter handle is three sixty. That is a three six zero. The culture. Um, I write for the Zone BB, and I'm also bringing the female perspective of the Orlando Magic fan base. Super excited. I think this is one of the things that is desperately needed in Magic Twitter. I'm glad to have that voice on this podcast, and super excited. Um, We've gotten a lot of really good feedback from uh, our first episode, Um, so thank you to everyone that's been listening and a part of this journey. Um, How do you guys feel about the first episode? It was good, man. I think we, we got a lot of feedback, whether it was Twitter or it was on Instagram. Uh, it was good to see uh, the fan base listening to us, sharing their thoughts. Um, and again, I think it'll only get better from here. Yeah, I think uh, having people talk to us and, and expressing how they do feel that we are different and uh, just liking the fact that there's more than two people on here. It sounds like a real conversation and that's what we were aiming for. So we're getting that done. And at least being since you weren't part of the very first one, how, how did you feel listening? You guys did really well. You guys seem like you guys are best friends, had very different perspectives. And honestly, you guys were very informative. You guys knew exactly what you're talking about. So from a fan perspective, loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Here. That's awesome. I think, I think the whole entire concept of, of this podcast and the way that we're doing it is to really give the listener a feel like they're in the room with us and, and part of just a bunch of friends hanging out just talking magic basketball. That's right. Like that. That's what we're looking right? for. All right. So um, with that being said, today we have, we have a lot of things that we're going to discuss. Um, but very first, let's get through the numbers. Let's so um, getting through the numbers, just a quick rundown of where the Magic stand and some key team stats. Um, our record currently, uh, we're 2-4, and four, right? Um, eighth in the Eastern Conference and third in the Southeast Division. You know, offensively, we're averaging the 93.5 points per game. That's putting us at 30th in the East. Oh, wow. Um, Three-point percentages were 28.3%, which is also putting us in the 30th Ouch. In, in the NBA. Um, defensively, points allowed, 98.2 points per game. Um, something to be excited about. That puts us second in the league. There we go. That's blocks, I like it. Blocks 5.5. That puts us seventh in the NBA. So, um, I mean, this really tells a story. We're, we're doing so good defensively. Just there's a lot of work that needs to be done offensively. Right, I agree. So we finished <clears throat> last week, what, one and three. Uh, they, we had some big teams that we were going against. Uh, we saw the Bucks, who destroyed us realistically. We saw the Raptors, the Nuggets, and the Knicks. Uh, we, got the, we got the win over the Knicks, which is something we kind of all expected. Uh, how do you guys feel about, about the week? Um, I feel great from our last podcast. I think I, I was one of the ones that said one, one and three record. So you I feel did. great that I got it right. You did. Yeah. You did. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel too great that that's kind of where we're at. I don't think that our performance this past week in no way tells the story of what this, t- what this team can be. 
um, I think we're still we're still trying to figure it all out. Um, definitely some new pieces that were added to the team that everyone's still trying to get to know one another, um, and just still working on building that chemistry and getting the ball in the hoop. Maybe it's because the game's fresh in my mind. That Nuggets game, that loss, really hurt. And what hurt the most is we lost by three points. Yep. And it could have been either one other three-point shot to tie the game or literally four free throws. Just two more attempts going to a free throw line, and we just couldn't do it. That's right. I mean, for me, 2-2 uh, two and two, uh, was my goal. I wanted to be a 2-2 two and two for the week. And I thought we had a chance last night against the Nuggets. Uh, we're playing well. I think we're playing well. Unfortunately, the ball is just not going to the hoop, as Anthony mentioned. Um, the defense has been there. Um, a lot to clean up on offense. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but for me, disappointed. I, I really would have loved to have us be at 500 starting in a week. But we'll get our chance. So we did lose that Nuggets game by four, four points. Uh, but I don't know. Overall, I think... One of the things that everyone keeps talking about is our defense, and that's you know rightfully something that we're talking about. Uh, one of the things that we're struggling with is obviously getting to the free throw line. Um, I think compared to the rest of the league, you know we're we're towards the bottom of the league in that. Um, and to me, it feels like coming into the season, continuity was one of the things that everyone was kind of saying would be our saving grace that we would do so well because all of the guys played with each other before, and it seems like. The relationships are not, you know, are not being as successful and we don't feel as connected as we probably should have coming into the season so far. I think for me, it's when we played against the Raptors, that was a disappointing loss. It was. Like we we it didn't show was. any we didn't show any fight. We didn't there was no heart and hustle. There was none of that. But against the Nuggets, although, you know, we didn't get the W, mm-hmm. it was still one of those things where it's it was a moral loss. Right, it's something that we can build on, and we played really well, we did. or a lot better compared to you know this this past week. So from now, I'll, I'll take that as um, a win on our side in the yeah. sense of this is something that we can kind of move forward and and work from from that part. So from my view, I think last night's loss reminded me of last year's team where they're battling, they're fighting against good teams. The result was not there, but that's what they looked like before they hit it off uh, and they finished the season really strong. So maybe that is what we need to just battle, play defense, uh, and grind it out. That's what our, our team is going to be, is grind out wins. Um, again, the shots will drop. I'm not concerned there. Um, but again, still, I think we could have done better this week. Like I said, the Raptors loss was a tough one. Um, so let's, let's try it again this week. And I, and I think we'll figure it out. You know, Coach Cliff, he, he's incorporating changes. It's one thing uh, of us, you know, not not getting to where we need to be, and then nothing changes. He's at least implementing certain things, right? Um, one of the major things that he's incorporated was putting Markel Fultz into the starting lineup. Huge change there. Crazy, right? Nothing no one saw coming, at least not this early on in the season, but we'll get there. We'll get there. And it was it was like a game-time decision. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that they let everyone know early on. Uh, I was at the game last night. And we were literally sitting there maybe, what, three minutes, five minutes before tip. And uh, we got the Twitter alert. I think it was from John Denton or Joshua Robbins. But mm-hmm. one of those guys put it out that Markel was starting. And in the arena, you felt the excitement. It was almost as if everybody got the message at the same time. And it was like, wow, we're finally going to see Markel, you know, kind of take off. It's just great to know that we do have a coach that does make decisions and changes and adjustments. I believe last year he was voted most likely to make really good in-game decisions mm. and adjustments. So that is, you know, something to become proud about and something to get excited about. But, I mean, it's still early in the season, so we'll see how these changes last. I was getting ready for the game to start. 
you know, I was doing dishes. My phone was far away from me. I had my Apple Watch on. <laughs> and then um, Al U.S. sent the text in the group chat saying that Markel got the, the the start. He got the nod. Man, I ran to my phone so quick and saw that Magic Twitter was blowing up. My yeah. Instagram was blowing up. It was up. blowing up everywhere. You know, so everyone is really excited. And it kind of seemed like the, the Magic fan base needed it a bit because everyone was kind of yeah. getting to the point where it's a lot of negative talk and people were kind of pounding a little bit. And the Markel quotes, um, you know, news of him starting kind of brought the excitement back. I'll tell you what, I was actually on my way to the game when I got the notification, and uh, it just changed my whole perspective. I was going to the game kind of, ah, tough loss last night, playing a good team. Hopefully, we just battle, which they did. But knowing that Fultz was starting, my wife can share this with you, my reaction was just like, oh my God, I want to go to the game, can't wait to get there, let's see what the team looks like. And again, just walking in, you could tell the fan base was excited. Uh, So that's good to see. Markel seems to be the guy that brings the most, like, roar from the crowd. Uh, even when things aren't going well, every time Markel comes into the game, it's like the bright side. You know, everybody is is Every, happy everyone to gets see excited. Him on the team, right? So, uh, so I think I think it was it was very strategic of of Cliff kind of inserting him uh, during a time where a lot of people are losing faith in the team. Although we're six games into the season, we haven't looked all that all that great. Our energy hasn't been all that great. And one thing that I could say about Markel so far this season is that even when he's not playing well necessarily. His energy is good. Uh, and, and, you know, playing any sport, energy is important. Um, and I think he brings that. Now, Marco, um, getting implemented into a starting lineup wasn't the only change, right? So this week we had Emil Jefferson, who um, was on our two-way contract that signed a two-year contract. How you guys feeling about that move? I'm confused. Uh, I don't know why we need another big guy, another power forward, another guy that cannot stretch out the defense. Um, so from my perspective, just a puzzling move. Um, again, I don't see the, the what what's what's the need. I've liked I've liked the meal for for a while. I think uh, he's not gonna be you know a superstar, but he is one of those guys who can give you you know a good six, eight, maybe ten points. I'm um, in an NBA setting, and I think he. His signing was more so insurance. Mm-hmm. I think it was insurance because I think the the team is seeing a little bit of the writing on the wall with uh, with Mo. Uh, not necessarily that they're going to let him go, but they do see that he's not he's not a piece that's going to contribute right now. Um, and if you if you are in a situation where injuries occur, you don't want to be short of center. That's just the you know that's just the fact of the matter. And knowing Mo Mo's like uh, last year, he got injured. And he was out for, you know, majority of the year at the end of the season. So we're going to need that reassurance. We're going to need that, you know, second, second string, you know. Right. And Emil's not a bad one because he works hard. He's an energy guy. Um, and if I remember from media day, just from overhearing, he's one of those glue guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he you is. Know, he, he kind of is. He kind of um, blended in well with everybody. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a pretty good signing. Still a little confusing because we do have Mo and he needs to develop. But at the same time, if, you know. The Nuggets game oh, comes out, then we're definitely going to need a meal there. I think the plus side is that the, the teammates really root for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really root for him a lot. I think for me, and I said this on Twitter, is that um, it was more of a financial move more so than anything. You know, the team had to add that one additional guy to get at the, the 14 minimum. Um, and they're, they're going to pay Emil the, the minimum that they can, right? So we're just upgrading his contract from a two-way, um, two-way, two-year contract. Um, and maybe it was just simply that they didn't see anyone that could fit their need that would also mesh well with the team 
You know, although we may be struggling chemistry wise, you know, if you would have added a player like Jamal Crawford, like um, J.R. Smith, that yeah. I, I said, yeah. right, it could have <laughs> changed a whole lot of the dynamic of the team. And I think that this was a very safe move, uh, move from a very safe front office. Um, and then it also opens up a two week contract to be able to implement there. That's right. I think maybe that's the way that we may get some shooting in some offense that we're all craving and wanting to see this team add. Uh, that may be the way now then that we, we get some offense going. My only thing is, again, we have Jonathan Isaac, who we saw play some minutes at center recently. So if Isaac is an option at center, again, why then have the fourth big guy now on the roster? So that's where, again, it's the puzzle and the confusion comes in. We have the big guys. Let's get a wing. There's got to be somebody out there who's a good guy who can fit in the locker room uh, and add just some shooting and offense to our team. I'm thinking that because we need 14 roster spots filled to continue into the season regardless, a meal was the cheapest option. There's no, there's 100%. no one else you could have signed so. for cheaper. Yeah. I um, agree. And he's a tie, he's a he's a guy who's been around the team, who the guys are familiar with. It seems like he has a good relationship with the team. Why not take that guy? That's Super high energy it. player too. Comes in with so much energy off that bench. Right. He takes the most of the opportunity he's given. Right. And honestly, will he see the court? Probably. Probably not. not. Probably not. So it's yeah. kind of it's almost as if it's indifferent. Right. That's right. Yeah. Just in case, like you said, it might be just insurance. Um, I think the flexibility also in the event that this front office, they make a move, mm-hmm. you have that insurance of that big man to be able to step in. and Or if injuries happen. Or if injuries happen. And in the G League, he averaged like, what, 18 points, like 10 rebounds? He was, he, was a monster. he was a monster in the G League. Yeah, he so he's, he's, and he's won MVP, hasn't he, in the, in the G League? I think he, if, he did. If I'm not mistaken. I yeah, think so, so that's, gonna, that's a guy. Back check. That's a guy who's, you know, been able to score. Does it translate to the NBA? We'll I guess see. that's to be determined. We'll see. I mean, all in all, I, I think that the decisions this week, they, they have been good moves for good reasons. So we're excited to see how those progress, right? Yeah. So um, I was uh, I was thinking maybe it's time for our favorite segment. Favorite Pass segment, absolutely. Pass or shoot. Pass or shoot. Um, so for those that listen to our first episode, Pass or shoot is a segment that we have where we discuss different topics and everyone individually decides whether or not if they pass, which is sell, or shoot, then buy. Right, so our very first one: Should Mo Bamba head to the G League? Oof, uh, that's, that's a tough, tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'll have to get. I'll, I got to bring the good one out first. I'll take. Uh, I'll take first dibs on this. So, during the last four games, during the last four games, I feel like Mo has not played up to what everyone thought that he was capable of. I think he's a bit. I know it's going to sound harsh, but he's a bit clueless on defense. His rotations are bad they're usually late um and yeah he can shoot the three ball he's That's he's all. been one of our more consistent three-point shooters throughout you know the beginning of the season and throughout uh preseason but it seems like he's not giving us positive minutes and at this point in time we don't have many guys who are giving us positive minutes and if you're not a guy contributing to that success i think you you'd be best served for his skill set and for the betterment of his overall uh, betterment and development of his overall career would be in the G League for, you know, a couple games, kind of get familiar with those guys, be the best player on the court. You know, a couple games, get your uh, confidence up, mm-hmm. maybe develop your defensive game a little bit and then, you know, come back and give it a try. I'm going to have the pass only for the mere fact that this guy needs more time on the NBA court. The G League is going to be good and all. But maybe a week in the G League, get his confidence up. I mean, this is a guy who needs to run an open floor. And right now, I mean, we'll get there. 
the pace is not where it needs to be for him. The biggest downside is defensively, especially because he's seven feet tall with how long is his wingspan? Right, like seven, seven what? Oh, like yeah. ridiculousness. Like his defense is a little suspect. But then in a Nuggets game, like that was just ridiculous. He played ten minutes and fouled out. Yep. Like I don't know what's going on there, but I would like to see him on the court a little bit more with very specific groups because he tends to be out there when there's no like creator on the court. Mm-hmm. That's when it tends to happen. I'm not the biggest Fournier fan, but he's hardly out there with Fournier ever. Mm-hmm. But Fournier happens to be, and we'll get there. Happens to be a pretty darn good creator for us. So you are gonna pass on the idea of Mo playing in the G League? I'm passing on that idea, man, because I want him to be on the court. Because eventually, an injury may happen. Eventually, you know, um, he needs to be on the court. Because whether he be a trade asset or not, him going to G League does not help his trade value. Um, at I'm gonna go with both, and I, I know this. This is probably the second segment where I go with both, but this is why. If the plan is to keep Mobamba as your second string, right, then he has no business being in the G League, and he needs as much experience and exposure as possible, right? Because um, if he can't put the ball in the hoop, he at least you know has a presence of being able to be use his long arms, you know, go in there and get deflections, rebounds defensively, but he has to be able to stay on the court. Fouling out in ten minutes just cannot happen. For his experience, it cannot happen. But that exper that experiment, having him on the court defensively, has not worked. It, he, it hasn't worked. He's been late grabbing defensive rebounds, which shouldn't be an issue for him realistically. He's gotten blocked pretty like savagely throughout the Badly. beginning of Badly. of the season. So, what do you do? But what I think so, very similar to Deadman, right? Mm-hmm. Deadman, we sent to the G League, and what did he do? He destroyed it. It was like. A man amongst boys, like he, it was just completely day. And I feel if we did that with Mobamba, it's gonna be the exact same thing. I think that his level of play matches up with the com- with the competition in the NBA, and he has to be exposed to that. But if the idea is to get wins now, I don't think Mobamba's ready. I don't think that he should be our second string center. I I'm a big fan of Ken Burch, and I feel like that's where Ken Burch needs to be for the good of this team. And if that's the plan, this is why I'm both. If that's the plan, then I would rather Mobama be in the G League where he does get at least playing experience instead of him not doing anything. And just sitting on our bench. Absolutely. Yep. Go in there, go into practice. If anything, take take the second string away from him, make him work for it to where he, he earns it again and make sure that it never gets taken from him again. So for me, I mean, I'm kind of like you, Anthony. I'm kind of on the fence. To make a decision, I'll say I'll pass. Um, being realistic, I do not see our front office taking Mobamba and putting him in the G League. It's just not going to happen. I think it would be mar- bad marketing for them. They just won't do it. It's a it, high it pick. Could, it could also hurt his confidence. Exactly. Exactly. But one thing to be 100% real is he is struggling out there. Not even last year as a rookie, I saw Mobamba struggle so much on the court. He is just, he can't grab a rebound cleanly. He can't get his timing for blocks. Every pass is thrown to him. He's bobbling the ball. He finally gets the ball, goes up for a layup or a dunk. He's getting blocked because he's thinking too much out there. Um, so I don't know what's, if it's in his head, if, it's, if he's hurt from last year's injury still. I don't know what's going on. He does not look like the Mobama that we drafted. The motor, we know it's not there. We know that that was an issue in college. We talked about that last week. My concern is it's now mental. Like I said, he's not doing even the little things that he was good at last year. Little things like catching a ball. Like say, if you watch the games, there's so many good passes thrown to him. Even in Ali Up yesterday, I think it was, perfectly timed, he just completely missed it. And he ended up being a turnover. Um, so for now, I'm going to pass. I, I think he just will not go to the G League. But I can see where it's going to help him if he wants to be sent down. 
And I think a lot of that also has to do with, you know, getting the ball in his hands, making sure that we get him in the right positions. A lot of that has to do with Evan Fournier having the ball in his hands. Um, do you believe that Fournier should be the primary offensive creator? Hell for no. This team? Hell no. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump in there and say it. Uh, I've been saying that all season so far. I hate the offense that we're running right now, uh, especially when you make the decision to start Markel Fultz last night. And now you have Markel bringing the ball up, handing it over to Fultz, and he, I'm sorry, to Fournier, and he sits in the corner. He's not a shooter. He can't do anything in the corner. So my thing is, I don't understand the point behind it. At times in the game, yes. For it to be our primary offense, he has no business doing that. I'm going to shoot. <clears throat> Anybody who knows me, again, knows that I love Evan Fournier. I think um, long-term success, should Evan be our primary scorer? No. If we're trying to win games now, yes. A lot of times, thus far in the season, he's been the best player on the court. He's been able to create for himself. He's been able to create for others. Are there times that he over-dribbles and gets himself, gets himself in situations where he has to pass out of? And uh, for you know, and gives up turnovers, of course. But there have been times that he's been able to get a crossover move, get into the paint, get fouled, hit free throws. He's hit spot up three pointers. He's done everything that a primary scorer should be able to do, and he's the only one that's been doing it consistently thus far. I don't. I know there's a lot of criticism for Evan. I think he bears a lot of the brunt when it comes to criticism on this team. Uh, but realistically, he's our best guy right now. I am pump faking my shot right now, but I will shoot it. I'm not the biggest Fournier fan whatsoever. I'm half French myself, so it kind of hurts to say that to another Frenchman. But Evan is the perfect creator for right now this time of the right. year, especially with the pace that we are playing at. Right. It fits him. Um, he does seem to always find Vooch, who is our most consistent scorer, which we need that. I know. It's, it's hard to like take in. But he always seems to find Vooch in those pick-and-roll situations. And Vooch seems to always like the pass from him because he, for the most part, hits those shots right there at the top of the key when he's there. I'm going to shoot. I'm not I'm not a huge Evan Fournier fan myself, but in terms of a player that can be a triple threat, he's our best triple threat player. He can pass, put the ball on the floor, and he can shoot. So as a defender, you have to respect the shot from the outside because he can knock those down. At the same time, you he takes that pump fake in the arc. He can take the ball to the rack, mm -hmm. and he's really creative with that. So it's one of those things where we kind of don't have another option, right? Not I mean, right we, we can yeah. we can give the ball to Markel, but um, Markel doesn't he doesn't command the defense from the three point line like Evan does. My only issue with Evan is that he at times you see him play and he does play buddy ball. It, it always a seems lot. like it's a it's a two man game between him and Vooch and. You know, a lot of times that could stop our de our our offensive our our offense, and it can hurt other players um, in terms of them being able to produce on the court. Like Aaron Gordon. Like Aaron Gordon. Yeah, absolutely. So and it's Jonathan Isaac again. It's another guy that when he's on the court and and Fournier's handling the ball mostly, he's in the corner. So now you got Isaac and and Faults on the corner doing nothing. Gordon is just trying to post up most of the time. That's not working. What it leads to is the same play over and over again, in my opinion, which is that pick and roll with Vucevic and Fournier, that body body ball. So that's the issue. I think the other guys just kind of get discouraged, and that then has led to the offensive struggles that we've had. There's no rhythm. There's no flow. It's the same play over and over again. 
where's the development going to come for those younger guys if that's what we're running right now? And the shot clock, those are great. Like Zach was saying, that buddy ball, two-man game, and the shot clock is great. But, yeah, I would like to see, you know, some of our other players develop with the ball in their hand. But right now, this time of the year, this time of the season, Evan's the best option. So would we all agree that uh, we're going to shoot, well, everybody except By me, by me, sorry. sorry. We're going to shoot on uh, (laughs) on Evan being the primary option. Ask me that same question, you know, after Christmas break, it might be different. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, regardless, at the end of the day, we need to see the ball go through the hoop. And we rely so much on the shooting of our offensive players that, you know, it doesn't just fall on Evan Fournier. It does also fall on players like Terrence Ross. Right. Um, so the next question, will Terrence Ross return to being the human torch? It sounded like very Avenger-like. Yeah, I, like <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, I, I, think he will. I think he will. I think he will. You know, what everyone says is shooters got to shoot. Got to shoot. Got to shoot. Shooters and gotta I think, shoot. Uh, I think Terrence is, is is one of those guys that he's a bit streaky. He got a little bit of uh, J.R. Smith in him. But can he shoot at an elite level? We've seen it. Yep. We've seen it with our own eyes. We know the guy can shoot. And we know that when he gets hot, he gets hot. I think um, Terrence is one of those guys that thrives off of that those screen, you know, um, pin down plays yeah. up at the, at, the, at the three. And we haven't been playing that style of basketball. So when you're not playing a certain style that helps someone thrive and then you expect the guy to produce at the same level when the system was running differently last year, it's a bit of, you know, unrealistic. But that also goes back to the creating with the ball in your hands. We're relying on Fournier to create and that creation right now isn't the best. So it's not going to leave that pin down option open. So maybe those are tied hand in hand. One of the things that that kind of surprised me. So I, I am gonna shoot. I think Terrence Ross is gonna get back to his form uh, that you know last year. But one of the things that surprised me that we didn't hear much during media day or any interview up to this point is that at the end of last season, he did say that the one thing he wanted to focus on was his ball handling mm-hmm. and ball control. And it doesn't seem like he's done much of that. It doesn't seem that's his role this year. Like it seems right. like his role is to shoot. It's just not falling. But ultimately, if you can't dribble and create for yourself in yeah. the league today, you're not going to be too successful, mm-hmm. especially right. when your team is not directly running plays for you. Uh, if if Terrence would have developed his ball handling, could his three-point shot be at a better point now than it is or than it has been? Of course. But that's not who he is. That's not the style he's playing. And I think that's why we're seeing his three-point uh, shot struggle so much. I, I hate to think the fact that or even have this idea that, you know, he was in a contract year and that's why he was so successful last year. I don't want to think that he got his contract now and now he's just being comfortable. I honestly do think that he's just in a funk. Um, so I, I am going to I'm going to shoot. So I, I definitely think that he's going to get back to that form because I, I genuinely think he's that type of player. The the issue is that we're relying so much on his his. Um, offensive abilities to be able to space the floor and give the opportunity for other players to kind of um, take advantage of his his threat um, and he, he just we need him back badly for our second unit because now that now that we're playing DJ Augustine in the second in the second unit when was the last time that we had a point guard in our second unit that can shoot the ball as well as DJ Augustine or who could run the floor for that or matter. that can run the floor uh-huh. absolutely DJ, DJ Augustine is going to find Terrence Ross open for sure right Terrence Ross is going to make sure that um, they, he commands that defense to mm-hmm. make DJ Augustine open. So if we can get those two players to really get back to that groove, 
that level of shooting, then our second unit is going to be really, really, really difficult to guard. Ultimately, that second unit, I would love to see, and I know Steve has this thing with his nine-man rotation, uh, but I would love to see DJ, uh, T. Ross, and Awundu mm-hmm. in that second unit. I think the pace, the tempo that they would play at, would be a problem. They'll be able to push the units. ball so well with right. Amino out there too. Amino can run, right? That'll be fun. I think that'll be a fun second lineup, you know, second string lineup or whatever it is. But we just gotta wait and see. I think, like you said earlier, Steve is not opposed to making changes during the season. Sometimes he's a bit stubborn. Sometimes he holds on to things a little too long. But I think that once he sees it's not working. He's okay with moving on. And then another change that he made is um, the, the nine-man rotation. Um, obviously, MCW was out, but he didn't incorporate Wesley Awandu last night in the game. Right. So how do you feel the nine-man rotation really changed the, the pace of our team? I think uh, MCW had like a hip contusion or something like he's that. He's out. Yeah. So he's out. I think healthy MCW is still going to get those minutes. Mm-hmm. I think once, once MCW is healthy, Awandu goes back to riding the bench. It was more like an E-man rotation with Mobamba fouling out as fast yes. as he did. Right. <laughs> That's what you, true. What do you think of it? So, uh, Terrence Ross, for me, I'm definitely buying. Uh, I definitely think he's going to be back to normal and be back to the human torch that we know he can be. Um, right now, he looks bad. I mean, he's shooting 27% from the field, 19% from three. So, it's not pretty. We know that. It's not looking pretty either out there. But I'll tell you why. He's getting good looks. He shot, every time he shoots the ball, I think it's going in. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like his <laughs> shot's always going to go in. So I'd rather him take his shots, eventually they will drop, than us turning the ball over or, or taking some random shot that we know is not going to go in. So keep shooting, uh, Terrence, do your thing. Uh, they will drop. I'm buying it as well. I mean, he's got to shoot it out. I mean, it's just got to get back to muscle memory. It's still early on in the year. He actually hasn't gotten too many shots, but I know he's going to go ahead and kill it. And another thing is, during last night's game, uh, there was a point on the right side of the court, Terrence Ross, during the second quarter, came over uh, a screen and hit a three-pointer, and the arena went nuts. Uh, Amway was going crazy. So he is one of those guys that kind of ignites the fan base, and when he's not playing well, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fans that kind of take to Twitter and, and, uh, and get things off their chest. Get it off your chest. I'm so happy you said get it off your chest. Yeah. <laughs> Get off your chest is something that's um, that I'm actually really excited about. It's is this new segment that we're gonna give the opportunity for the Magic Twitter, Magic Instagram for um, for fans to just get things off their chest, right? So the very first one we have from Instagram C underscore Austin fifty one that says there's just no offense. Simple, get shooters and a fix might happen. Do you guys believe that? as simple as going out there and getting a shooter that's going to fix this team. Where are they at? That's the question, though. Who are those shooters? And do those shooters fit the Magic organization? Yeah, a shooter can help us out because we need to spread the floor, whether it be for Vooch, whether it be for Jonathan Isaac, whether it be for AG flying in the middle. A shooter will help, but where are they at? Right. I think that's that's kind of the simple answer to the question. I think the problem is a little more complicated than that because there's a lot of things we can do better. Uh, we can force contact, be more physical, get to the free throw line more. Uh, we could, you know, we could do a lot of a lot of things. It's not just about shooting; it's about ball movement, 
Um, but shooting is the, the one thing that you look at and you see is lacking. So I can understand that frustration. Same thing here. So I think if you think about adding another Terrence Ross-like player to our bench, and imagine having Augustine Ross, that shooter, Amino and Bamba off the bench. It makes us just damn, it's so much better. Black Commission, who's that guy though? I did see a name in Twitter, I forgot who mentioned it, uh, that was interesting. Uh, with the Pelicans having some injury problems, not playing so well, J.J. Redick making an offer for him and bring him back to Orlando. Hmm. What do we have to give? I don't know. But that's something interesting that I saw. I'm like, hey, that would be a great fit here. And from my understanding, he still lives in Orlando. He lives in Brooklyn, but I think he, he says it always. He loved Orlando living here. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. He okay. does have two young sons, and they also love Legos, and Legoland is here. So, J.J., let's go. Uh, Legoland. <laughs> Legoland. I believe he dressed up as a Lego figure for Halloween. Oh, he did. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, he so. did. Oh, that's why he did. That yeah. All right. So C underscore Austin 51, getting it off your chest. Um, the next person we have is it's Instagram Ryan.magic. Ryan.magic says, yes, our players aren't playing well, but Clifford has to do a better job with rotations, holding guys in way too much or not playing guys enough. Offense needs a change, and he needs to understand that instead of going with the same thing, that doesn't work. I completely agree. You agree? I agree. We need to change the rotations. Just make in-game adjustments. For instance, last night at the game, I tweeted about this, got some retweets and likes from from, from fans. Terrence Ross, right? Struggling all season. I think it was the third quarter. He finally hits a couple of shots. Hits a nice runner. Hits a three-pointer. Could that lead to one? Next possession... Timeout was called. Where's Terrence Ross? He's on the bench for the next eight minutes. Comes back when we're down six points, whatever it is, in the fourth quarter. So my thing here is we got to make sure that coach is just adjusting to what's working out there. If a player's hot, keep feeding the hand. I see it all the time where um, Gordon would hit a couple shots, and he takes him out of the game. You finally see them kind of moving in, doing their thing, and he changes it. And then, of course, set rotations. He's keeping guys, oh, your, your minutes are from the six-minute mark to the three-minute mark. And that's going to happen no matter what. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I agree. It, it feels like sometimes <clears throat> sometimes Cliff doesn't necessarily play to the moment. He plays to the rotation pad and paper. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, if he, if he has already designated before the game started that someone's going to play a certain amount of minutes, that's what it's going to be, whether they're hot or not. And I think that that's one thing that, that Cliff can improve in is more so being conscious of what is happening in-game and adjusting those rotations accordingly. Now, you don't you don't think that it's just early in the season he's still tweaking things to try to figure it out? Or do you feel like he should have did all that in preseason and then get to the season and that should have been already squared away? Um, I think it's more so a mindset. I don't think it's, it's necessarily about whether he did it or didn't do it. It's more so you have to decide that this is the way you're going to do it from now on and stick to that consistently. You can have a rough outline of what each player is going to play. You know, your starters may play... 28 to 32 minutes, depending on whatever it is. But if one of those guys is hot and the offense is running through through him and we're consistently scoring and this is, this is our scoring mm-hmm. option right now, then, yeah, maybe if you're at 31, let him play 34 minutes yep. until that hot hand kind of cools off. Yeah, I think, you know, the two players, especially in the second unit, that lose minutes in rotation, Wes Wandu and Ken Birch. I mean, those are guys who can plug – plug and play here and there, yeah. mm-hmm. but they're not in there enough because we are sticking very hard to our actual rotation. I mean, there's there are going to be some adjustments. I mean, we're only, what, 
couple games in. Six games in. Like, we're only a couple games in. It's going to change, but, I mean, we would like to see the change happen a little faster. And just most recently, too, last night, again, being Markel's first game as a starter, I don't know about you guys, but I hated the rotations. You got Markel playing the first six minutes. He sat for the next, like, what felt like 18 minutes. He came in with, like, three minutes left in the second quarter. Same thing in the third quarter. He played a few minutes, sat down to, like, the middle of the fourth. Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? You cannot get your point guard, starting point guard, in the game, in the flow of things, and take him out when he gets a ball, like when he gets his legs into it. Like it's just not gonna happen. I think at that point, there's no difference of Markello starting if you're gonna leave him out for as long as he did. Exactly. Yeah. For that, for that, you just keep it the same thing. A DJ starting, and then you just bring him in at the seven minute mark, the way he's been doing the last four or five. But minutes. it kind of felt like he started Markell as an energy boost to yeah. get people talking and get the guys hype. But he stuck to the same minute structure. Yeah. That he would have stu- he would have been on had Markel come off the bench, so it was a little confusing. You usually when you start, you're playing the brunt of the minutes. That's just how it is. You you don't really see situations where guys start and play bench minutes. That's is a little weird. So the next one comes from Ben G Chase from the Pure Magic podcast uh, on Twitter. He says Magic have to put their heads down and get to the line. Finesse basketball works when you can make your shots, which we can't. Uh, embrace contact and get to the line. I agree with him. You know, we have to be able to penetrate and and either force a shot or force getting to the line. One of the two has to happen. We have to be better at not only getting to the line, but also executing on our free throw line shots. It's going to open up the three-point shot so much better. We may be struggling right now with our three-point shot, but think about how much better that shot opportunity could be if we're driving to the lane, kicking the ball out, and now you have an open Jonathan Isaac, an open Evan Fournier, an open DJ Augustine. The shot is going to look better. It's going to They're going to have more time to be able to gather their feet, gather the shot, and make an efficient shot at that point. I agree with you. I think that, again, we, we have the athleticism out there on the court to get to the basket at will if we wanted to. The only problem is the guys that should, Aaron Gordon, Isaacs, long enough and athletic enough to, to get fouled, they're not doing it. They're settling for just hanging out on the three-point line, except when we're down 20 and they decide, they decide to go to the basket at that point. But if they wanted to, we have the roster again. We have the Terrence Ross. We have the athleticism out there. We're just not. It's not part of our game plan thing that goes right back to our ball handling once again we're not the best ball handlers right now i mean we're 28th in total free throw attempts in the league Horrible. 28th with a team this athletic you would think would be somewhere a little bit higher we're not even in the middle of the pack right now right i would say actually a lot higher and shouting out my boy fournier again he's the, <laughs> he seems to be the only one who consistently gets to the free throw line and hits his and shots his shot. when he's at the free throw yeah. line um it's a little it's a little confusing because Vooch is a big man, right? And he can give you 20, 25 a game, but he's not physical at all. At all. At all. When he plays guys that are physical, the Gasols, the Embiid's, the you know, uh Carl Anthony Towns of the NBA. He gets flustered. He gets flustered and he kind of disappears. Crumbles. So yeah. we need we need the athletic guys, the high flying guys to to force that that um, penetration and that contact in the paint. You may not finish through contact, but getting yourself to the free throw line, you're always going to give yourself a a shot to win the game. That's ultimately what it comes down to. When you're not scoring well and you compound the fact that you're not getting to the free throw line, that is the exact recipe to fail. We're not putting pressure in the paint. 
of, on defenders. And right. once we put pressure in the paint on defenders, that's going to open up the three-point line. So now we're not taking contested threes. They're wide-open threes. So now when T. Ross comes into the game, it's just a spot-up-and-shoot shot instead of a, oh, my gosh, I had to come off three screens. I got to turn my hips around and then shoot with the hand still on my face. Right. We got to yeah. get to the bridge line. And that's not to right. mention, uh, you don't necessarily have to be in the paint to force the, the foul, you know? Uh, last year, there was a lot of times that Terrence Ross would come off of those screens at the three-point line, and, you know, the guys guarding him would get too close. They would misread the screen, and they would foul him three guaranteed free throw shots. So, I don't know. I think there's multiple ways to do it, and I think it starts with making it an emphasis to get to the free throw line. All right, thank you guys for getting it off your chest. That was a fun segment. That was fun. Yeah, that was right. fun. Definitely be on the lookout for um, the post on the Ozone Pod on Twitter and Instagram um, for the next opportunity for you guys to be able to get it off your chest and see if maybe one of your tweets, one of your posts makes it onto our podcast. Um, but with that being said, we definitely have some upcoming games this upcoming week. We have four games this week, so we have an opportunity to really get back um, into where I know this team can be. We have Oklahoma City on Tuesday, where we'll be playing in OKC. Wednesday, we have the Dallas Mavericks, which is another away game. So we have a back-to-back away game. Um, Friday, Grizzlies at home. Sunday, Pacers at home. So what are you guys thinking for this upcoming week? How are we going to look? I think we'll go. I'm predicting a 3-1 and record this week. I'm predicting a win against OKC. Tough game in Dallas. Second half of back-to-back. Lost there. And then back-to-back wins here at home against the Grizzlies and Pacers. Um, that would mark our 10th game, that Sunday game against the Pacers. So I would really love, even through all the struggles, I would love to see this, the team be at 500, be at 5-5 five and five by the end of the week. I have us going 2-2. Two and two. Win against OKC. Um, Mavs going to be a tough one. The Grizzlies have a win against the Grizzlies as well. Um, the reason why I like these matchups is because they have young guards that they rely heavily on. We're a very long team, and these guards like to get to the paint. That's been our strong spot is our defense, okay? So I think we're going to have to make these guards shoot, and they're not shooting the best right now. Hopefully they're not shooting good against us. Let's hope so. <laughs> I'm thinking 3-1, uh, and one, but I'm kind of leaning towards 4-0. and oh. The reason being is... 4-0 oh winning? 4-0 oh winning. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, there we go. That's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, Oof. I guess that is a hot take. But I, I, think, um, I think guys are starting to realize that if we're going to win, it's going to start with them individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mindset is a lot of, of uh, you know, a determining factor in how successful you are. Obviously, we have guys who can play. Jonathan Isaac can play. Aaron Gordon can play. Vooch is an all-star. Evan Fournier can play. Uh, and Mark Hell in the starting lineup, I, I think uh, if Steve stays true to him being a starter and gives him starting minutes, I think it'll force movement and penetration in our offense. And I think that'll win games for us down the stretch. Uh, I think if we we can continue to experiment with uh, J.I. at the five spot, that'll make us more agile. It'll make us faster. And it'll make uh, a team that has five guys who can score, um, you know, and absorb contact. I think we'll, we'll do well. I think we'll do well this week. It'll be it'll be kind of a, uh, you know, kind of like, a, yeah, we, we didn't play so well in the beginning of the season, but we're starting to get our we're starting to get our business together. Yeah, I'm not with you on the 4-0. As much as I want to be, I, I stand right there. Where I just can't. I, yeah. Realistically, I can't see us being there. I got us going 3-1, though. Okay. Um, I got us going uh, a win against Oklahoma City. Okay. Um, a loss against the Mavs. I, 
I'm a, I'm a fan of Luka Doncic. I, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup between Luka and Markel. Luka's just a bigger point guard overall, but, you know, Markel is a, he's kind of like sl- uh, Slender Man. He's able to kind of shift, shape his body to kind of get into yeah. the lane and get around defenders. Um, Grizzlies, I see that as a win, and Pacers as a win. I think out of all four of these games, the most important game to me is going to be Sunday against the Pacers. 100%. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, we got to be able to show our presence in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Indiana Pacers, there's been a lot of analysts out there that's put them ahead of the Magic in the third, fourth range, uh, the fourth range. And uh, we got to be able to show that we can beat a team like Indiana. I'm, oh, I'm ready to see who how that matchup is going to be against Porzingis. Who's going to guard Porzingis? Because it can't be Booch. It's got to be Isaac. I think. It has to be Jonathan it Isaac. Be yeah. Jonathan and then Isaac. who guards Luca? Is it going to be Markel or is it going to be a bigger guard? I would love Gordon? to see Gordon on him. Or is it going to be Gordon? Like I that's the one team I think we actually can match up well. But those two players are playing at such a phenomenal rate right it's now. Be tough. Like it's going to be a very I, tough. Game. I actually think that that Mavs game is even if we go three and one, I think the Mavs game is the game that we win because it is the game that we're going to play up yeah. to expectation. I agree. And um, it'll be, it'll be a, a fun challenge. I think for the guys we've, you know, we've played teams that we haven't done well against the bucks are predicted to kind of win it all this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think the Mavs, although they have those big names, they have Doncic, they have Porzingis, they are still a young up and coming team just like we are. So I think there's a lot of hype that goes into analyzing who wins what, uh, but I think when you when you look at it on paper, I think we match up well against the Mavs. And I think that it's just something to look at. Um, Oklahoma City and Grizzlies, you take a look at those two teams, and those are teams that I consider as teams that you should be. Correct. You should be able to win against those teams. And I think that we we didn't show that we were able to do that against the Hawks. But if we can come back and take this week and beat the teams that we're supposed to be and get back on that track, then we can get back to having that specific mindset. We have to be able to go into these teams and home and away and be able to showcase that, hey, we're a better team than you guys, and this is going to be a win. And then challenge the the teams like the Mavericks to be able to play to their level of basketball Mm -hmm. and be able to take advantage of ending games and closing out. But to me, too, something important I wanted to add is that Friday game against the Grizzlies is the first game of a five-game homestand for the Magic. So we have a great opportunity to kind of bounce back here. Some tough games at home, but... If we can win at least one of those two games on the road, come home and put put together a nice five game, uh, you know, where we go and we'll go four and one or three and two at least, it could do some great things for the team going forward. So I think it's an important week coming up. We just got to play to our standards. Finishing the first 10 games of the season above 500, which That'll is what I think is ideal. We'll, we'll do, um, is going to be a huge confidence boost for the team. And I think that'll continue to show moving forward. So a lot of fun and interesting things. Really excited to see this week and how it plays out. Um, and let's let's wrap this up. It's a really good episode too. Yes. Any final final thoughts, closing arguments? I think we're good. Again, we, we cover a lot in, in, in less time. And also our goal coming in to, to cut the podcast a little shorter. So we did a great job today covering all the topics that were important to us and a timing that was uh, a lot better than last week. So... I agree. Um, the get it off your chest segment is becoming one of my favorites, although passer shoot is still up there. <laughs> they, they were they were easy on us. We're gonna have to get some right. some more challenging ones. But also uh, for all of you guys listening, if you ever have any questions, anything that you want us to cover, uh, anything that you think we're missing, uh, we're definitely open to feedback at all times. This is your podcast. We're speaking on here, but this is a reflection of the Orlando Magic fan community. And anything that you guys feel should be incorporated or is missing, please uh, DM us. 
I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. Uh, the Orlando Magic female fans, feel free to reach out to me. I'll speak for you guys personally, I promise. All right, this episode will be available on Monday. Um, definitely don't forget to check us out on all your favorite podcast sites, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the above. We're trying to get out there as much as possible. Um, also visit us on the website on the ozonepod.com. And that's a wrap. Peace. Peace. Bye. Say bye, Al. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. Catch us every Monday wherever you listen to your podcast.